You're listening to the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. Remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, and click the bell to make sure you get the latest episodes of the podcast. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Jared, let's get straight into it. Before we get into talking about both Australia and England and discussing how both teams will go in this year's Ashes series, let's talk about the Ashes in general and what makes it so special. And Jared, for over 139 years, the Ashes has captivated us. People who don't support Australia and England watch the Ashes. Um, people within Australia and England who don't even follow cricket, watch cricket, they watch and talk about the Ashes. Uh, the Ashes has a certain aura and vibe about it, which makes it different to any other bilateral series. It's full of history and tradition, and you see that when you see the Ashes earn and watch the Ashes. But Jared, what are your memories from watching, uh, watching the Ashes, and why does this series captivate us the way it does? Well, it's old. Um, like, I don't think you can deny the fact that it, it, you know, the Ashes was a big deal before the Olympics, modern Olympics came around. Uh, you know, we don't, that's not something that's that normal. You know, sports don't go back that far. Um, Australia as a society, probably up until maybe even the 90s, you could claim, um, 1990s, uh, saw themselves still as, you know, sticking a finger up to the big brother, uh, you know, the original um, country. Uh, so I think that is a big part of it. I think the fact that for whatever reason, when cricket grew, both of the teams kind of grew at a similar pace, even though England had a huge head start, Australia probably had the better facilities. Um, and perhaps Australian cricket grew in a better way because it didn't grow through the class system the way the English one did. So even though there were fewer people playing, there was maybe people from a wider background, which meant that, you know, outside of, I know Australia won the first couple of series, although that was before it was technically the Ashes, but, um, you know, England dominates for a little while, but then almost from that point onwards, it's, you know, there are periods where either team is in charge, but uh, realistically, it's not like we ever got to the point where, you know, it's like the dream team versus, you know, Nigerian basketball team or anything like that. Um, so that helps. Do you know what I mean? The fact that both of yeah. those teams sort of grew together, I think really helps. Uh, you know, it's Bradman was a very important person, probably in, in Australian culture. You know, he was there through the, you know, at the end of the depression, showing everyone that we had the, you know, well, the greatest athlete in the world, probably in that era, if not one of the greatest of all times. Um, and then, then you see the sort of the explosion of Australian culture through the seventies, eighties and nineties, as I talked about before, up until then Australia, it's kind of like England with a little bit more swearing. Like if you listen to all broadcasts of like Australians, yeah. uh, they speak with English accents and then you have the opposite. You really have, uh, you know, the, well, I, I've always said you can compare the, the rock revolution in Australia and the cricket revolution are very similar. They happen yeah. in the late 60s, early 70s. Suddenly there's a lot of chest hair, a lot of mustaches, a lot of hair really everywhere. Um, and I think because of that, you know, it's kept them relevant in Australia. And then in England, it's, it's, there was no other country that was there all the time, right? And, and, you know, you only have to look at the fact that neighbours and home in a way and Kylie Minogue and these sorts of people are still incredibly famous that England has a different relationship with Australia than it does with New Zealand or South Africa or Sri Lanka or, you know, many of the other Commonwealth countries for whatever reason, um, you know, that, that's always been there. 
and I and I think again that like you know a lot of England's best cricket moments were the Ashes, and realistically, outside of outside of maybe the West Indies coming through in the fifties and sixties, cricket was Australia England when when you're looking at it, or county cricket, and those are the two things that cricket fans in England held the dearest it's really not until the 80s that it becomes a global game and so for england that you know they were held to this thing because this was their pinnacle of cricket was the ashes um and then their daily cricket lives was county cricket um and so it's bigger than it probably needs to be now considering you know we're about to go into you know we just had cricket australia with a big inflatable urn and you know weeks of build up and years of talking about it as as usual and yet um, it's a hilarious situation where it's following up the India New Zealand series where they only play two tests and they're the two best teams in the world. Um, it tells you a little bit about the sort of ridiculous nature of the ashes, but also the strength of, of it and the branding of it, which is it's worth a lot of money, man. Of course it is. Uh, big dollars. Obviously, Australian England cricket, if I'm wrong, uh, money wise, are well up there with India in terms of revenue. In the they're world not game. well up there with India. <laughs> well, no one's up there with India, but they're they're sort of there, are they? Uh, well, they're not. Well, I mean, to be fair, Cricket Australia and and um, ECB both during COVID almost went broke. So, um, I think most of the other boards probably did go broke, though. Would be the difference. So, there's probably only three functional cricket boards that are solvent. Is probably yeah. the best way of putting it. Uh, I don't know how much money the BCCI currently have. My guess is it's for around eight to $10 billion. Neither Cricket Australia or the ECB have a billion dollars and yeah. not even anywhere near it. So they're a long, long way off, but they make money. And that is different. And the Ashes is a big reason why they make money. They're also the last two cricket cultures. And I kind of include India in this. I, I think Australia and England are really the last two cricket cultures that actually make money off people going to grounds. Everyone else has basically moved to a sponsorship and cable TV and eventually streaming um going forward rights deals that's how they make their money uh you know the ecb i think it's 70 or 80 quid to go to a test match in london so what's that about 150 australian dollars and you know the mcgs and you know uh, uh well the new Perth stadium they're a lot cheaper um i can't remember what the, la the latest things are. i haven't had to um walk into australian ground for a while and have a look at the prices but but yeah. because of the sheer numbers of people you can get in those grounds uh they make a lot of money from ticket sales as well so it's quite interesting that they're, they're still hanging on to the traditional methods where the rest of cricket is basically TV, streaming and advertising now. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, just a curious question before we move on to talking about the teams. Um, if this Ashes series did not go ahead, how much money would Cricket Australia lose in the ECB if this series did not go ahead? Because there was well, some doubt about the series not going ahead. Well, this is how badly run cricket is. ECB would lose no money which is part of the problem with world cricket is that you don't actually make any money from touring. The only reason yeah. you tour is to get someone to tour you, um, which is why there's such inequity between all those cricket boards. There's no reason why you, those cricket boards should be not solvent if cricket was run better. Uh, I don't know what the numbers are. Um, you'd have to have a look at it. it. The thing is, it was never going to be cancelled. It would have just been played somewhere else, whether it would be in the UAE or Sri Lanka or, you know, anywhere they would have been able to play it, it would have been played. So they would never have missed out on it. What they might have got was a bit of a haircut because it wouldn't have been played perhaps in the peak of the summer and they would have lost out on those ticket sales that I was talking about before. But yeah, I, I don't know what the, the current number is. I know that overall it's still better to play. It's still better to have India to it than have an Ashes on, but 
but to have an ashes is still a we're still talking 150 to 200 million dollars i would assume um that not all of that is obviously revenue um and there's a lot of hosting costs and everything there but if it was to drop out of the schedule completely that's probably the source of money that you'd be looking at cricket australia losing and if you compare that to the big bash that's probably what four or five times uh what the big bash is for a shorter for a shorter period so you can see why australia and england are so keen for it but yeah it would never have it would never have dropped out altogether um because it's worth that much money of course. Um, and basically, cricket's a money game, really. It's like sport in general. It's like... Well, sport only... I, I, I think there's this, there's always this feeling amongst some fans that like, oh, it's this pure game. And what, the reason we are sitting here talking about cricket today is because people realised that you could charge extra money when WG Grace played in a match, right? That was 150 years ago. Nothing has ever changed. It's always been about money. From the moment we put up a fence around the ground, it was about money. And all sport has always been about money. The difference now is that, thankfully, some of the people playing it are making some of the money. Um, and, and, you know, that has changed a little bit. And that wasn't always the case, obviously, you know, looking back at, uh, at the history of sport. So, yeah, it, it exists um, because it's a brilliant sport and it makes money because it's a brilliant sport. Those two things are, uh, you know, connected. Hi everyone, hope you enjoyed listening to Jared and I talk about the Ashes. The Dibbly Dobbly podcast has you covered for the 2023 Ashes series. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss out.